We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 248. We have a legend on the podcast today. He basically invented natural horsemanship. In 1982, he began creating a natural horsemanship program to improve the relationship between humans and horses. He promoted the concept of love, language, and leadership. And in 1984, he began teaching clinics, and then he coined the name Natural Horsemanship in 1991. He's been featured in over a thousand magazine articles and has presented privately for the Queen of England, President Reagan, Tony Robbins, Gene Autry, Tom Selleck. He is incredible and has been around the equestrian industry for decades. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Pat Pirelli. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited to talk natural horsemanship with you. But first, tell me a little how you first got into the horse world. Well, when I was 10 years old, I got my first job. It was at the Wilmar Shetland Pony Ranch, and they were racing, um, trotting, and pacing ponies. Mm. And I um, and another young man named Dennis, we were hired by his uncle to um, uh, saddle break the ponies that didn't uh, trot or pace well enough. So I got my first paycheck when I was 10. Wow. That's so cool. Um, You've obviously, since then, have accomplished so much in your career. And I know you're notably known for creating the term natural horsemanship, which is huge. Uh, What what do you feel like, if you were to define horsemanship, what would you say? And and also, what does horsemanship mean to you? Well, that's a great question because, you know, I think most people – do not have a re- real good grasp or a reverence for the word horsemanship. But let me give you mine. My definition is the perpetual and progressive series of habits and skills that both horses and humans need to become partners. Love that. So once we become partners, then what we can do is then we can go into training and, and do something specific. So I think the world is kind of like very linear about, oh, I'm going to do dressage or cutting or reining or pleasure or trail riding, whatever. And they're not thinking about how important the kindergarten to high school foundation for horses are before the, other words, foundation before specialization. Mm -hmm. So um, again, back to that definition of the perpetual and progressive series of habits and skills of both horses and humans need to become partners, defines what horsemanship really is. And perpetual means forever. And progressive means it continually gets better and better. And most people in all of their relationships, they peak out in the very beginning and then uh, very, you know, very soon. It doesn't take long. And I always say there's lots of horses that want divorces. That's (laughs) why their owners should graduate my courses. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know I saw in an interview, you mentioned that Troy Henry taught you the difference between a horse trainer and a horseman. What would you say is the difference between the two? I think a horseman starts a relationship that develops into a partnership and a horse trainer uses mechanics, fear, and intimidation 
to cause horses to be obedient. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the the basis of your horsemanship technique, you say, includes the three L's, love, language, and leadership. Can you talk a little bit more about each and why you feel like they're so central to your methodology? Well, I think, you know, horses are like people. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So the love that, uh, that we can, that they can feel from us, the passion is, is imperative. We've all seen horses that the, the kids can catch, dad can't get near. So horses are very aware of, uh, you know, the, that the horses know that the little kids love them. Mm-hmm. So the love part is important, but then you got to have language. You know, there's lots of people that love their horses. They can't, they can't communicate with them, you know, just because someone talks to them and just got to remember there's, you know, several languages that people, that humans have that, that own horses. Right. So it's not just English. When I say talk, it's not just English. I mean, German people, Italian people, <laughs> Chinese people, Spanish people, they all talk to their horse in, in their language, in their tongue. But that doesn't mean the horse understands because horses have got, long bodies and we've got tall bodies and they're very zone specific there's five zones on a horse the the head is zone one zone two is the neck zone three we sit in zone four is the hip and zone five is the tail Mm. and we've got to be able to have a a way to communicate to those zones that it makes sense to the horse so love language and leadership in equal doses you know the language has to be on the ground as well as in the saddle and it has to involve uh, thoughts, feel. And so we've got to be able to teach a horse to feel what we're thinking and know what happens before what happens happens. So if we're really aware of our messaging, of our communication, then we can make suggestions before we ask. And we can ask before we tell. We can tell before we promise. And then that's the chain of positive events, positive chain of events that create real communication. Then leadership means you have a plan. And most people don't have a plan. You know, trainers have a plan, but they oftentimes don't have the love, the love and enough of the the language. And if they, you know, they, so it's getting all three of those together and the plan, everything from the, the moment that the mayor is, you know conceiving if we're creating a perfect like we're going to build a house we're going to pick our our uh, the the lot or the site or the ranch that we want and where we're going to put it what what style of house and then what's the blueprint going to be how big is it going to be one story two stories is it going to be multi-level is it going to be big or small is it going to have lots of patios you know all that stuff you design it and so in designing the, the plan with the horse, the blueprint, we've got to think all the way from the, from the innate characteristics that we're going to try to create. Then we're going to start the environmental influences. If you have a snorty old mare, she's going to have a snorty colt. You have a, a mare that whinnies every time she sees the pickup truck coming into the yard, she, the baby's going to do the same. And then the learned behavior what kind of things are we going to do? Are we going to do full imprinting? Are we going to do early learning? Are we going to do things? Are we just going to let them waste out in the pasture and wait till they're a teenager to start, start teaching them something? And then their spirit level. So 
the lead, the, the plan has to be, you know, we have to have a, a really sophisticated plan if we want to produce the perfect partner. And so leadership is about a plan and sticking to the plan. So that's what we sell people. <laughs> I can't make people love horses. I can't, but I can teach them a language and I can teach them a plan, you know? And so this is really, again, my program only works for horse lovers. If people love their sport more than they love their horse, then this, this ain't going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the seven games. I know that's part of your methodology. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the seven games are and how they're important to kind of build that relationship? Well, the first thing, yeah, no problem. First thing people do is they think about horses and horsepower. But if you think about it, horseplay is, is a very common term. And horses love to play and they play games with each other for dominance. So this is really the game, the word psychology is AKA, also known as games. You play games with a horse's mind and emotions. And pretty soon they give you their body. Life is a game. Um, relationships is a game to be played. And again, if we understand that there are seven modalities, number one is for confidence and friendship. Number two what we call the porcupine game is to, is to teach horses not to lean on pressure. You know, that's why spurs were invented to teach horses mm-hmm. to get away from the little sword, the big sword that the other people were trying to kill the soldier with the, the little sword they put on their heel. They said, get away. So, well, that's the big sword. Get you. And they, you horses are, are huge. Elephants are huge. They use a very sharp tool to say to the elephant, don't lean on me. You don't use rhythm with that. Mm-hmm. You steady pressure. Then the next thing is rhythmic pressure so that you, when you wave to somebody, you use rhythmic pressure. When you motion to somebody to come to you, uh, come here, come here, come here with your hand. You're using rhythmic motion, rhythmic pressure. It's kind of a, you're, you're, you've got some rhythm to it. So we've got to learn to use that in a certain, certain way. You never see jockeys kick a horse, but they will use an extension of their arm to get mm-hmm. the horse to lengthen his stride. In rhythm. Then the next thing we have to understand, once we get those three, the confidence, the understanding of steady pressure and rhythmic pressure, then we've got to ask our horse to go north and south or forward and backwards, but north and south in a straight line. Okay, like a yo-yo, forward, like a swing, forward and backwards, like canter, trot, walk, stop, back, back, walk, back, stop, walk trot, canter, gallop. Yeah, gallop. Yeah. You know, so it's it, all of those got to be equal. And most people have horses that have more go than woe or more woe than go. And when they do, and then when they do slow down, it's crooked. <laughs> so, you know, if you, if you did that in a car and you're in a lane, two lanes in a car and a stoplight <laughs> stopped you and two cars stopped and one stopped straight and the other one stopped crooked, it, it, it'd run into you. Right. So you got to be able to, you've got to be able to make downward transitions on a straight line. And very few people can do it. And I've, I've only tested about 100,000 students. So wow. out of that, very, very few of them could actually really do a downward transition on a straight line. Wow. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's amazing how arcane the horse industry is. Number two is, or the next one is, is, is circles, not eggs, not Easter eggs, but a circle. 
<laughs> big ones and small ones and medium ones and forward ones and backward ones and right ones and left ones, slow ones and fast ones. Very few people can do very good circles. And they can do them, but can they do it without micromanaging the horse? Lunging is nothing more than the mere act of micromanaging a horse and chasing him around him in a circle. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about can you make a game out of it and sending and put your stick down and have the horse do 20 or 30 laps with you passing the rope around behind your back and the, and the horse on a loose line cantering 20 to 30 circles without you touching the, the whip. Hmm. See, that's making a game out of it. Yeah. Just chasing them around in a circle. That's you might as well just go home and yell at your husband. <laughs> yeah. Next, next, <laughs> next thing is sideways. We've got to be able to get our horses to, to do lateral moves. At first, it's just go sideways. Then it's it's goes it's it's to a it's to a side pass, which means the nose is in the direction of travel. Then the next is a leg yield, which is the nose is in the opposite direction of the travel. Then we've got to be able to do shoulders in, haunches in, and it goes on and on and on and on. We've got to be able to go sideways because the better a horse goes backwards and sideways, the better he does everything else. And the worse he does everything, the worse he goes backwards and sideways, the worse he does everything else. But most people don't do that. They just ride forward. Then the last one is, is the squeeze game. Horses are born skeptics, cowards, claustrophobics, and panicaholics by nature in various degrees. So we've got to teach a horse it's okay to shorten his body. We have to teach a horse it's okay to go into a metal cave on wheels that we just bought for several thousand dollars and put behind our pickup. Mm-hmm. It's okay to, to go in a war shrek. It's okay to go walk across a puddle. It's okay to go in you know, in a ditch and cross the river. And this is something that most people don't go out of their way to practice. Matter of fact, they avoid. And then all of a sudden it's in their face. They're on a trail ride and everybody's across the, the creek and they can't get there. So the seven games are in principle and practice, seven modalities that teach, that teach horses that, or that, that we can use psychology to get our horses to become our partners. So we have to balance all seven and not just one or two of them, but all seven. So then that way the horse becomes our friend and our partner. And he goes north and south on a straight line, does beautiful circles, does all the lateral moves, and then rids himself, fills himself with confidence. So he rids himself with of uh, claustrophobia. Simple. Yeah, just simple. That's it. Sometimes I feel like one of the most challenging parts of a training program is the management aspect of all the horses, all of their care, and just the organization of it all. So there is this app that a million riders use today called Equilab, and it really does capture everything you need for your horse to track data, as well as log any information you might refer to in order to keep your horse healthy and safe and organized. I'm talking tracking rides, gait distribution, being able to have your position set live so that other people can keep track of where you are on a trail ride. You can organize your riding, farrier, if you were lunging or jumping a certain day and keep track of the schedule. You can also share your journey with other people who use the app. 
It just offers so much organization. It's super fun to use and really informative, especially as you get more and more competitive and really every little detail counts that you're able to collect data to really make sure that your horse is in peak performance. But really it is for every level and every discipline. So if you want more information, visit their website at equilab.horse. That's E-Q-U-I-L-A-B dot horse and get more information. You, you've worked with, I mean, what did you say? Like a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand students. And over 2 million uh, spectators. Wow. And obviously so then many. All the tele- then television and articles and magazines and right. books. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many people have read something that I've done. Right. So, so many um, throughout the course of your career. Do you have any like particular stories that stick out into your mind as being, you know, particularly challenging or memorable or, you know, you, you experienced a huge shift in that horse or rider? Well, the first one was I had a lady named Pat and she uh, walked up to me eating a Snickers bar. And she said to me, can you train my horse to put up with my inadequacies? And I said, no, but I can train you to quit being inadequate. A year later, she had lost 50 pounds, quit eating Snicker bars and candy bars. And she learned how to play with her horse on the ground and gained confidence in the saddle and learned how to play the seven games in the saddle as well. And um, she had a wonderful, wonderful horse life for the rest of her life. Wow. That was my first big aha that I'm in. I need to train people, not horses. Mm-hmm. But there's been thousands of stories after that, many, many horses and many people. And that was one that shifted me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what would you say for someone listening who is wanting to start incorporating some more horsemanship into, into their lives, improve their relationship with their horse? Where, where would you have them start? Well, that's an interesting question. And of course, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Hmm. So just like anything, if you're going to have to start all over. You're going to have to start at the beginning and learn a new philosophy. I think, I think everything starts with a philosophy because philosophy is in our heart. Concept is in our in, in our in our um in our vision in our theory theory is in our mind and then the techniques are in our body all right Uh so for example we've all been told to kick a horse to go pull them to stop and use the reins to turn i've been working for 40 years trying to teach people not to kick them to go and not to pull on the reins and not to use the reins to turn but to use their energy to get a horse to go and to 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 take the energy off and lift the reins a little bit rather than pull back to slow down or stop or back. I've been teaching people to shape the horse with their reins to turn and turn with their body for 40 years. And I, and I, I run into person after person after person that, that that's the hardest thing for them to do is they, they get on a horse and they, they can't help it, but they kick them to go and they pull them to stop, use the reins to turn. And, and hardly anybody does very much on the ground that is going to 
be proactive and positive for the relationship. So the pedagogical approach, which means that you start at A and end at Z, is what I produce. And the challenge is, is that most people, and I have a levels program, level one through 10, the average person that I meet is at leg after five years of owning a horse is at negative level three. Hmm. So now you got to start, you got to start to try to get to level one, get square one, right. And you've got to use communication, understanding and psychology. You've got to have attitude, knowledge, tools, techniques, time and imagination and some support. And most people want to fly like, soar like an eagle but they fly around with turkeys mm -hmm. so they're getting so they're getting support from people who are are knocking good ideas out of their head or pushing you know bad ideas in, in their head and the reason is the horse industry is predicated by three basic well four things number one mythology number two wives tales number three bovine fecal matter number four ego people that own horses think that they the, most people are are think they're way better than they are with horses than that what horses think they are. Hmm. Most people, most men think they're better with women than what women think they are. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Their ego is whatever they've learned, whatever they believe in, they ain't changing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why, that's why people have wars over religion. <laughs> right. Whatever they believe in is what they're sticking with. Sure. Yeah. You know, so, so it's so to me to get started. What we have to do is we have to we have to understand philosophically that we need to do things with our horse and for our horse rather than to our horse. Then we have to understand what what that blueprint is that would start on the ground that would develop bonding, obedience, and exuberance. And then then it, then the whole, then there's nothing you can't do once the horse becomes a part of you. Mm -hmm. Right. I love the quote, horsemanship can be obtained naturally through communication, understanding, and psychology versus mechanics, fear, and intimidation. I feel like that's so much of, you know, kind of the core of what you did kind of, you know, over the, the course of the last several decades. And looking over your career, does something stick out um, of what you're especially proud of? Well, I think, first of all, I'm pleased, but I'm not satisfied. Hmm. My, my goal has to help, has been to help, my mission is to help the level of horsemanship rise worldwide and to help provide this and to provide this philosophy to humans that love horses no matter where they live or what they can afford. So that's what I'm proud of is that I've helped yeah. it rise. Right. You know, I don't, I'm pleased, but I'm not satisfied. Mm -hmm. I still got, I still got a few decades left in me. Yeah. That's amazing. What would you say is something that you are particularly passionate about within the horse world that you feel like people either don't know a lot about or don't talk enough about? Horse psychology. Hmm. People don't use, don't know or understand how horses feel, think, act, and play. Right. They know how to intimidate them. They know how to, how to force them to do things. But very few people, you know, horses will run faster and jump higher out of heart and desire. But the only way that's going to happen is, it, is that if you get in their heart and in their head 
And we've got to know the attitude, the knowledge, the tools, the techniques, the time, the imagination, and have the support that is necessary. If it wasn't for the support that I was given by Ronnie Willis and Troy Henry and Tom Dorrance and Bill Dorrance and Ray Hunt and Freddie Kinney and all the great horsemen, Walter Zettel, all the great horsemen that have helped me over the years, I I wouldn't I I would have never got here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd I got here by the time I was ninety six or something. But you know, so I'm trying. What I'm trying to do is create a, a program, a blueprint, and a support mechanism with my instructors and all the things that I've created worldwide, so that I save people decades. Like like what my my mentors did, they saved me decades. Mm-hmm. I'd have got there eventually. But they saved me decades. So definitely. So, so the psychology is, is is the is the key. Once once we understand what horse psychology one hundred and one is, then it's like a whole new world opens up. Sure, definitely. Taking a look at your website, I know you offer a lot of you know different like programs and education for people who are looking to learn more about horsemanship what, what do you what do you recommend or where do you recommend them starting well the, obviously they've got to learn my program mm-hmm. and be supported in the program in other words it wouldn't make sense to come to me and not know the seven games and not know the the logic and not understand the concept and the philosophy and have it just, just to learn directly from me sure i mean because they can learn it all there weren't, they learned it, you know, with books and videos and all this stuff. There wasn't, there were no videos when I was wanting to learn this stuff. Sure. For 50 years ago. I started learning this 50 years ago. There weren't videos that, you know, and what books were there were, you know, vague and it really didn't, it really didn't teach you much, you know, and it wasn't a very much of a step-by-step program and, you know, and pedagogically arrange so the first thing is that and then you know there's the four four balancing factors or influencing factors are talent skills try and luck and some people are very talented with horses very talented riders i got a lady here right now she's a fairly talented rider but she has not she has opposite habits that it takes to be great with horses Mm. She kicks them to go and she pulls them to stop and she uses the reins to turn. But she's nice with a horse. She doesn't do it in a mean way. But she, 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 so she now needs the skills. Okay, so I can give her the skills. I can teach her the skills. But then she has to try hard to break those old habits and start these new ones. Sure. And then she's already lucky because she went out of her way to, to get here to, you know, to study the program and, and to get here and, and, and try and learn this came all the way from Sweden. Okay. So the, depending on someone's ambition level, which ambition is a great thing, as long as it's tempered by principles, patience, and sequence. But most ambitious people are like I was, heck with the principles. Let's, let's go win something. Mm-hmm. And then the horse becomes secondary. And I've been there. I've done that. And I bought the t-shirts. I wanted to be a champion more than I cared about my horse. I know. What that, what that, what that result is? Result is I couldn't go to sleep at night mm-hmm. with a with a good feeling in my heart. So now I may not have won any world championships that anybody knows of, 
but I've won a lot of horses' hearts. Hmm. So to me, the you know, it's concentrically available. If somebody wants to come study with me, if they've got the they've got the ambition and the passion and they have the talent, it's available. I think most people who instruct, whether it's horses or other subjects, skiing, guitar, music, dance, seem to make things complicated and want people to depend on them. But my job is to make things simple. So I've created a blueprint, which is digitally available, no matter where you live or what you can afford. So that's the way to start. Join our learners club. It's called the Savvy Club. And it'll give a pedagogical roadmap, which will start them from A and head them to Z. Then if they have the ambition and the talent, they should come see me. I live in Florida eight months of the year in Ocala, Florida. And I'm here in Colorado four months of the year. And um, I've got a residence uh, student program that uh, we have a postgraduate program for level four graduates and beyond. And I also have a vocational student program that if people have the great core values, the education, and some talent, then they should come and come even study here while learning the program and, and uh, get their basics. Wow. So... It all depends. It depends on their their ambition level and their their lot in life. We have clinics all over the world. We have have over 150 certified instructors worldwide. So I would go to to uh, Pirelli.com with and open up a whole new world for themselves. Amazing! Wow, that's so cool. I love that and have really loved watching everything you've done for the industry with you know, really kind of being at the forefront of natural horsemanship. So thank you so much for everything you've done. And I, you know, continue to love to watch your journey and um, see everything you have available to horse riders and equestrians. So thank you so much for all you've done. And I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.